0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your guest co-host, Pepe Silvia. Today we're going to be talking about UFC Vegas 75, Marvin Vittori versus Jared Cannonier, and it's going down this Saturday night live at the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Two top five middleweights, both desperately want to get back to the title shot, and I think a win here is definitely going to help their case, Pepe.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's looking like a really exciting card. You know, there's there might not be a ton of name value, but it looks like a lot of like action packed fights. A lot of fights that should finish inside the distance.
0: Maybe not a lot of name value, but definitely some line value. So let's get down to business right away because in this main event, we got number four versus number three. We got Marvin Vittori, he's nineteen and five, taking on Jared Cannonier, who's sixteen and six. And currently they got it. Marvin Vittori minus one fifteen. The comeback on Jared Cannonier, slight comeback. I mean, if you even want to call it that, minus one oh five. So basically, a pick'em with a slight lean on Vittori. So a lot of actions come in on Jared Cannonier, moving it from dog odds to you know now it's a pick'em, slight lean on Vittori. Great fight, great fight. I mean, basically, I mean, I haven't heard what anyone said, but what I would assume is Vittori's got this big volume edge and. It, should it go to decision, he's most likely to win. Possibly more paths should he be able to mix in takedowns. But here's my thing with this matchup, uh, Jared Cannonier. If we're gonna talk about the volume, I thought that he showed his last fight against a guy who's known for volume with Strickland. That volume's not an issue for Jared Cannonier. I mean, he went out there in a five round fight, landed over 140 sim- significant strikes, and how many did he attempt? He attempted 310 strikes. So. Volume is not an issue for Cannoneer, and we already know volume is not an issue for Marvin Vittori. Prior to Jamal Hill fighting Glover Teixeira, uh, Marvin Vittori actually held the record for most significant strikes landed in a light heavyweight fight because you remember when he fought Paulo Costa, they had to move it up to light heavyweight because Paulo Costa was playing all kinds of games. You know, he was doing the whole bit. So Marvin Vittori went out there, and he landed a ridiculous amount of strikes. I mean, we're talking about 190 and he held the record in that division and then Jamal did his thing to to Glover and beat that record by a mile but still you're looking at two guys that are going to have really high output but i think that Jared Canneaire the difference here is that when his shots land those are the ones that are going to make you know the judges i'd say the fans but it's in the apex but the judges be like ooh and ah less fans in attendance you're going to hear those shots more so i see you know, Jared Cannonier landing the hardest shots here. And for that reason, um, I jumped on that plus 100 when it was available. Um, as far as, you know, Vittori mixing in takedowns, I mean, I think maybe one or two, but I can see Jared Cannonier getting back up to his feet. So, all in all, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I just think it's going to be an honest fight. They got plus 100 on one side. I knew that the market was about to move it. So, at least beat the line. So, now let's see what happens, right? So, i see the volume being comparable but i see the power difference being what gets uh jared this decision should it go all five assuming that there's not a finish because if there is a finish i lean jared there as well uh marvin not exactly known for being the heaviest of hitters don't get me wrong he did drop uh Jack Hermanson, and you know if you start to slow down against a guy like marvin that's when that uh output can really really accumulate but against Jared, who's totally battle tested, has been in there with the best of the best, I don't see you know a finish threat from Vittori here. So yeah, I'm going Jared Cannoneer for the win.
1: Well, uh, it's it's always uh, good to start uh, start the podcast off with some disagreement. Um, well, you know I respect the Cannoneer take. Um, I I lean Vittori, and um, for for a few reasons, I think. Um, I think people are pretty low on Vittori after that deleted fight. I think it was a pretty bad look. You know, he came in as like a minus 300 favorite, you know, people were expecting him to blow through Roman. Um, and he didn't, he had a, you know, one of his worst performances ever, although he did get the win, he put up pretty good volume. It looked like he was, you know, um, cucking a little bit to Roman's power and, you know, Um, I think if you remove that fight, um, we're looking at Vittori as a bigger favorite. You know, I think the market was a little higher on him um, previous to that fight. And I think there's a little recency bias in this line. Um, And, you know, I I don't think it's necessarily going to be a blowout, but I don't really agree with um, your take that if there's a finish, it's going to come from Jared. Because, um, you know, Cannoneer's been finished a couple times, albeit not at middleweight. Um, He was dropped by Derek Brunson when they fought. And, you know, if I know Vittori doesn't have like a ton of power or anything. But um, I think Brunson, in that Brunson fight, it kind of showed that if someone is willing to, you know, pursue the takedowns relentlessly, it gives Jared a lot to think about. And that he can't just like focus on his striking. And I think a lot of this fight is going to come down to the game plan of Marvin Vittori. And, you know, I think um, a lot of the reason why he was able to get off so much volume on Strickland was because Strickland didn't threaten with wrestling really at all. Um, And Strickland's just like, he's such a plotter. Like Marvin, at least, he will like bounce around. He's got, I think he's got a little better movement. And, um, you know, like if you go back and watch the Costa fight, Vittori comes out way more aggressive. He's way willing to step into the fire and he didn't do that against Delizze. So I'm hoping he comes out with, um, a good game plan. I hope he's trying to mix in the takedowns. Um, Someone in the comments said um a lot of cage pushing. I could see that as well. Um, I think a lot of what is going to decide this fight is who's going to take the front step too. Um Sean Sean was letting Cannoneer do all of the front stepping. And you know, I if Marvin's just on the back foot the whole time, letting Cannoneer um you know, uses explosive striking and land the bigger shots and have the bigger moments, then, yeah, he is probably going to lose. But I think with the age disparity and, you know, the slight volume uptick from Vittori, um, I I like him at pick em price.
0: No, I respect it. And I also respect the fact that, you know, you're not scared to come on here. You're not kissing my ass. You're down to go on the opposite side. So much respect. So let's see. I mean – Like I said, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I thought that it should be a dead pick-em. I know you disagree with that. You think that Vittori should be a bigger favorite. So I guess that's where we're going to find out what the deal is. Um, As far as relentless takedowns, I mean, the last time I can point to Marvin doing something like that was, you know, against Kevin Holland. I don't see him coming out here landing anywhere near the amount he landed versus Holland. Not that that even matters. He doesn't have to land 11 here to make your point. But... That it's just the act of consistently, you know, attempting takedown after takedown after takedown, which is a great strategy as a grappler myself. I know firsthand that, you know, you might stuff the first few, but if that guy's not if that guy's not discouraged and he keeps trying and trying and trying, that's gonna discourage you. You're gonna be like, damn, what do I gotta do to get this guy off me? Um, like, are you convinced that Marvin is gonna come out here and like attempt over X amount of takedowns here?
1: No, no, I'm not convinced. I just think it's like it would be uh a very smart game plan and, you know, he comes from a pretty good gym as far as game planning, despite how shitty um, Sean's game plan was against Jared when they fought. Um, But yeah, it's like, like, I know when, I know Vittori isn't going to land a ton of takedowns. Um, All I want him to do is just to try just to give Jared more to think about because, you know, then Jared's volume is going to wane when he knows that he has to deal with potential takedown threats as well um it seemed to give him a lot of fit in uh, the brunson fight and you know marvin's a cardio beast not that like jared like slows down a ton or anything or has like cardio issues himself but you know at 29 years old opposed to 39 years old you know, despite Jared being in great condition, you know, at at some point the durability is going to go a little bit and the cardio is going to go a little bit. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I think it's a little by low spot, but I do agree that it could be close um, for sure. I just have Vittoria like minus minus one forty, probably.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with your points. I mean, obviously when you're getting up there in age, you know, Father time's undefeated, but I'd be more worried about that if he was fighting like Pereira or or someone that's actually like a big threat. Right. Like I, I just don't really see Vittori as that big, you know, finishing threat, but that doesn't, that's not to take away from him. I mean, the volumes on point, he's ultra durable. That's another thing though. Vittori eats a lot of shots. I'm curious how he responds to these. I don't have any evidence that says he's going to get knocked out or anything. But I do have evidence that says Cannoneer is the heavier hitter here for what that's worth
1: and 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 one of the bigger things that I'm concerned with on the Vittori side is the leg kicks because Cannoneer throws heavy ass leg kicks. And Marvin, in the past, hasn't shown that he's the best at checking leg kicks. So I'm hoping, you know, he's worked on that a little bit. There's really, not too much you have to really game plan um for jared he's he's not like that multi-dimensional in what he brings but you know he has shown some weaknesses that jared could exploit for sure
0: yeah so as far as the leg kicks you know, normally I would give you a counter argument because this is orthodox for a southpaw. You know, it's a lot harder to get off on leg kicks against a southpaw, which is what Vittori is. But you saw that Anderson Silva fight, and I know Anderson, you know, was on his way out and, you know, this and that. But Anderson's a southpaw, and Jared had zero hesitation uh, chopping that inside leg. So to your credit, maybe, maybe that's something he tried. Well,
1: and he was, uh, he was switching stances pretty, uh, fluidly against Strickland, too. So, you know, I, I, he can throw him from both stances so yeah but I you know you saw Izzy like chew Marvin's leg up really really bad but Jared doesn't have the speed on his kicks that Izzy does so yeah
0: what line did you take Marvin at
1: uh minus 104 okay. so slightish underdog um yeah where do you think the line settles pick him
0: yeah I Minus 110 apiece, minus 115 piece Books trying to get, you know, juice on both sides. And let's see what happens. So, you got the minus 104, Marvin. I got the plus 100 on Jared. And let's see what happens. I'm excited. Yeah. So, co main event of the evening in the lightweight division, we got Armand Sarukian. He's 19 and three, taking on Joachim Neto BJJ Silva, who's 12 and three. And currently they got it Armand Sarukian, minus 1,000. The comeback on Joachim Silva is plus 700. So, um, You know, this is not going to be the shit on Joachim silva hour. I got a lot of respect for him. I mean, he cashed a big dog bet for me against Jared Gordon, cashed like minus 130 against Jesse Ronson. If you – you know, his nickname is Neto BJJ, but he's known for his brawling style – But this dude went out there in a grappling contest and submitted Neil Magny, who's way bigger than him. Um, So his jujitsu is legit. Comes from that Evoluciao Thai camp. You know, guys like Francisco Masuranduba, Trinaldo, known for coming out of there. Tons of great fighters there. So the fact that he got the call for this, you know what that means. That means that tons of guys were like, "Uh, no, I don't want to fight Armin Sarukian on two weeks notice. No, thank you. And Joachim's a true warrior. So I mean, like, what can I say? Much respect. But yeah, I mean, it's minus 1,000 for a reason. Sarukian's got that great style where he can attempt a ridiculous amount of takedowns, kind of like we were talking about earlier. Might stuff the first few, but when this guy's still trying for that eighth, ninth, and tenth, I mean, it's going to discourage you. Joachim Silva, not exactly the fastest guy, but look, he can crack for sure. I mean, if Armin thinks that this is some kind of joke and he wants to draw a line in the center of the stand, uh, in the center of the sand, then, you know. Go toe to toe with jo- with Joaquin. I'm not saying that Armin would lose that, but all I'm saying is that would actually give Joakim a chance here. Um, but that being said, I mean Armin's a big favorite for a reason, and he's going to win this dominantly, most likely. But you're not going to see me shit on a guy like Neto BJJ ever.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't shit on him either. Um, I I did cash on him against uh, Magni in that grappling tournament. <laughs> they actually had him no as- shit. Yeah, they had him as a dog. Um to to Magny and damn and I, I didn't
0: even know they fucking had odds for that that's cool
1: yeah I'm bet online and you know he he disposed of them quickly um but yeah uh for this one um I like the knockout round one for most of what I'm gonna put down on it and then some knockout round two um you know out of his three losses two were by knockout the other by decision it just seems like the most logical and easy pick, you know, Armin, Armin tired, you know, ask ask Giagos about that.
0: So you see it being more like the Giagos fight where he kind of just gets him out of there right away instead of more like the Frivola fight where Sarukian was this size of a favorite. And even though he clearly won the fight, I mean he got 10 takedowns, he you know, like tripled or quadrupled him up on strikes, but you know, it was still more competitive than people expected it to be. You see it being more like the, the Giagos where he just blows him out the water, doesn't play it safe and, you know, gets it done.
1: Yeah, I think his striking has improved um a bit since then, you know, at his age and his power has increased since then too. Um and he, you know, he knows this is like um a setup fight, you know, he's full of confidence. Um, you know, I he's arguably, you know, the next best in the division after Islam, in my in my opinion. So you know i'm 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 interested in um what they're going to do with him next um i i was talking to some friends and i was like i hope they book um Armin versus oliveira if he wins <laughs> i doubt they will just because it's such a kind of a jump in rankings but that would be a fight that um could headline a card and or be like a pay-per-view headliner as well
0: why do i feel like we'd get a really good line
1: on the Armenian, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I mean, I, Islam
0: was only minus one sixty.
1: Yeah, but then you know, you saw, you saw what they they lined it um, for next time. They like, you know how they do those lines for potential fights. They have them at like minus four hundred now, for if it's rebooked. Man, Islam
0: was the discount of the century at minus one sixty something against. Yeah, the first time.
1: Yeah, I think I'd like six units on him.
0: you talking about
1: what? in? Oh, F- Mac- on Makachev against uh, Oliveira.
0: Oh, nicely done. Nicely done. I, I played it to win two units. Um, so it was like three something risk. So good for you. You, you put the balls down on that.
1: I also lost on Benil. So, you know.
0: I mean, you know, shit happens. For sure. So. Uh, featured bout in the middleweight division, we got Christian Leroy Duncan. He's eight and zero, taking on Armin Petrosian, who's seven and two. Currently, they got it. Christian Leroy Duncan minus one forty-five. The comeback on Armin Petrosian is plus one twenty-five. Interesting fight. Um, so I gotta admit, I faded Leroy Duncan in his debut against Dusko. And okay, I can sit here and be like, "Oh, it was a fluke injury." But dude, up until that point, like. The way this guy moves, I was like, God damn. Like, this guy is, like, freakishly athletic. The footwork's insane. He had a beautiful calf kick in there. And, you know, I can sit here and be like, well, my guy lost me a one-minute injury. You know, what would have happened if it played out? Dude, if it would have played out, he would have got knocked the fuck out. I saw <laughs> the direction that fight was going in. Um, and I just kind of need to see Leroy Duncan in the UFC. And even though it was only, like, a minute or two, I still saw some things, but on the regional scene, the reason that I had a lot of hesitancy was, although you, I mean, that athleticism just really stands out, but I was worried about kind of the lower volume. I was worried about what would happen if guys would land takedowns. So here, Armin is not a takedown threat in this spot. What Armin could potentially bring to the table, you know, he does have a kickboxing background and he does have good volume. He's landed over a significant of strikes in more than one UFC fight against, you know, Gregory Robocop, Hobocop, and uh also against AJ Dobson. Um but man, do you kind of view this as the volume, you know, difference here for Petrosian being worth the underdog stab or do you just think this athleticism and just, you know, is this is this kid a phenom or not? Like the jury's still out, but it looked pretty promising in that debut.
1: So um, first things first, um, I, I also bet uh, Dusko against uh, Duncan in that spot. And it was because of the um, the takedown threat. You know, Dusko had shown some, some pretty good grappling in his previous UFC fight. So I thought that he could implement that game and, you know, would have a better chance to win than his line implied. He was like plus 160 or something. And you know, guy on his UFC debut, you, you know, they drop they lay an egg um from time to time. So sometimes you have to play into that. But I um I completely agree with you. His his movement was insane. Um you know the guy is super fast, super explosive, super athletic, and he's entering his prime, like he's not even there, but you can kind of just just in that like small amount of time, you could tell that, you know, he, his movement is much improved. And, um, you know, I think for this fight, um, well, I actually did, I ended up betting Leroy Duncan in this spot, um, with that huge reach advantage and the age disparity, um, him entering his prime, whereas Armin is kind of like, You know, he's never impressed me that much. And in this matchup, I don't have to worry about um, CLD getting taken down. If anything, I could see Leroy Duncan landing the takedowns on Armin. Armin's takedown defense is terrible. Um, That being said, I don't think he's going to, like, blow him out of the water in the grappling or anything. But this this kid hits hard. He's super explosive um, with potential grappling upside I got him at minus one twenty five. I thought that was a, an awesome line for him.
0: Is there any truth to the fact that uh, Leroy actually opened the underdog here, or is that some bullshit on on dollars.io?
1: Um, I guess he did on Bet Online. He I he opened plus one forty five, and a bunch of people hit it. You know, whatever, and went flipped a favorite right away.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised by that. Um, you know. It's one of those things, man, where after that Dusko fight, and again, it was only like a two minute fight, but like what I saw there, I was like, okay, like this is translating at the UFC level. This guy, you know, is a superior athlete, he is someone to keep your eye out for. And stylistically speaking, like you said, if anyone's actually going to land takedowns here, surprisingly it would be christian leroy duncan you did see that do that you you did see him do that in some of his uh fights in england and yeah uh so i'm picking him to win as well you know i do know some sharp opinion on Armin. they think that the volume difference is going to be big they also bet on dusko and they felt like they're going back to the well for for the same reasons they think this guy's unproven um and they think that he still has a lot to show but what I gathered was that, okay, so even though I lost the bet on Dusko, in a way I lucked out, and what I mean by that is this: because you know, I can, I personally didn't make the excuse, oh, it was an injury, we didn't get to see the fight play out. But let me tell you this, man: if the fight played out, he was gonna knock Dusko the fuck out. I saw that coming from a mile away. Mm-hmm. Once the, once the fight started, too bad I didn't see that going into the fight, but uh, man, once the fight started, it was like holy shit, they're moving on two completely different frequencies, and. Uh, also, just because Armin has that striking background doesn't mean he can't be clipped too. I mean, you saw that fight where he got knocked out in like the first exchange a couple fights back, and um yeah, I think the speed difference and athleticism difference is gonna be big here. And I respect Petrosian. There's a guy that you know it's really hard to transition from another sport and be successful, and he's been able to do that. He even survived on the mat with a real black belt in, in Kyogre, Ohio. Um You know, our boy McCall wasn't able to do that. Right. So uh, I got respect for Petrosian for sure. But I'm going to lean with uh, with the prospect.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can tell um, Leroy Duncan, you know, he's only 27 years old and he's just he he looks like he's going to be an athletic phenom, you know, and he's just approaching his prime right now. Um, I I could see him getting a finish in this spot, um, you know it's it's a little narrativey but you know they got the london card coming up it wouldn't be um far-fetched to see him make some sort of statement win and then you know talk about the london card there's a lot of europeans on this card
0: yes sir so next up in the featherweight division we got pat sabatini he's 17 and four taking on lucas almeida who's 14 and one currently they got it pat sabatini minus 170 the comeback on lucas almeida is plus 145 pepe in your opinion man is it as black and white as if lucas almeida can keep this fight standing he's going to light this man up for the sole fact that the volume difference is just is just massive man i mean when you talk about pat sabatini look i respect the fact that this guy knows how to go out there and win those decisions and he's been able to do that consistently But, man, the volume is so damn low, Pepe. I mean, the most strikes he's ever landed in a UFC fight was 36 against TJ Lair. I mean, you know, couldn't even sniff a win in the UFC uh, off the top of my head. Um, Lucas, I think, is going to light him up standing. It's just, what do we know about Lucas on the mat? Well, what I've seen, I saw Daniel Zell Huber, Judo, throw his ass in round two. Granted, he was able to get back up, and that was a complete war. Besides that, um... I mean, did you see anything on his regional tape that leads you to believe he's gonna be held down or grinded out?
1: Well, it's kind of tough because the the people he was fighting on the regional scene are pretty shit compared to Pat Sabatini. You know, Sabatini's really good at control grappling. Um, the thing is, you know, he's shown in multiple fights now that durability is an issue and his striking defense is an issue. Um, Jamal Emmers dropped him right away. Um, In their fight, um, you know, luckily he showed the resilience to, um, you know, turn it into a submission because Embers followed him to the ground. But then he wasn't so lucky against Damon Jackson. And, you know, who is Damon Jackson knocking out in the first round? Um, So, yeah, his chin is is a serious liability, in my opinion. Um, That's why I could never lay the juice on Sabatini here. Um, and, you know, there is regional footage of Almeida being taken down kind of easy by some bumish ish people. Um, but he's never been submitted. He's never been finished. Um, the dude has always shown a ton of resilience and a lot of fight. Um, and he cracks, you know, Trezano had never been knocked out before um, he fought Almeida. And um, so, yeah, I, I think it is as black as white just like how you teed it up um if if almeida is able to keep it on the feet he's gonna knock sabatini out
0: yeah i mean the thing is like i hate having to bring out the coin because like when you're talking about what are the odds plus 160 oh now plus 145 a little action came in i mean like if i'm even thinking about coin flipping then i should just go ahead and bet uh lucas off principle is just i'm gonna feel like the world's biggest dumbass when he gets college wrestled in this fight and yeah can't, like can't do shit doesn't yeah. get up like like he, he fucking cracks him early rocks him then gets taken down for the entire fight did you see that fight between matthew semelsberger and Jeremiah wells yeah remember how uh matthew semelsberger almost knocked him out at the beginning of the first and second round yeah and then, and then got held down for yeah. the rest of the fight like yeah i'm just not trying to go through that bullshit again like even though like i said a split decision type fight you should be on the dog all day period like you know you do that a hundred times i think you're going to come out on the right side of the coin um it's just this is one of those that you have to accept that there's a very frustrating loss incoming if this doesn't go your way it's not just going to be like a two of nail where it's like that split decision where you're like, man, you know what? I'll take the dog on the split decision all day. It's going to be the kind where like, you're like, Lucas, get up. Like, Oh my God. Like where you throw your remote at the TV. So that's, uh, you know, my hesitancy, but I'll still go with Lucas here.
1: Yes. And Sabatini's wrestling is like legit, you know? And the thing is like, we haven't seen a lot of Almeida's um, takedown defense as of recent, you know, his regional footage is from 2019. So he could have made bigger improvements. I mean, he should be improving. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of unknowns. I'm I'm happy to sit on the sidelines for this one.
0: Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a banger. We got Nicholas Mada, he's thirteen and four, taking on Manuel Loco Torres, who's thirteen and two. Currently they got it manuel torres minus 180 the comeback on nick mata is plus 155 so firstly for all y'all that have never seen that nick mata versus robert hale fight i say it every single time nicholas mata fights the only place that you can check that out is on the half the battle youtube channel so make sure you all subscribe if you all want to see what happened between uh Nicholas Mata and Robert Hale, because they had a one-round insane fight. Robert Hale ends up knocking him out, but there was a double knockdown prior to that. It was just absolute pandemonium. So make sure you all check that out um, on my YouTube channel. Just type in Robert Hale highlight reel. Now, as far as Nick on his regional scene, I mean, he fought some good dudes. Robert Hill, like I just mentioned, he beat Joe Selecki in a fight that he was getting dominated, comes back. And when I tell you that that was a brutal knockout, I mean, they had to bring out the smelling salts. They had to bring out the stretcher. It was devastating what he did to Joe Silecki. Um, But on the flip side, you know, Nick has been chinned multiple times, not just Jim Miller, not just Robert Hill. Also, um, when he was on the Ultimate Fighter, I know he got rocked there as well. And Manuel, if there's one thing we can give him, this guy cracks. This guy can bang. And I feel like, you know, even though these last two fights, people can say, well, they haven't been past the first round. We don't know. I, I feel like physique-wise, he looks completely different. I mean, he's been – you know, uh, you can get those supplements in Mexico over the over the counter. You, you don't need a doctor's prescription. You just go to the local pharmacy and get whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm not even fucking joking. Um, like, things that here – You know how, like, you used to be able to get your doctor to call in your your prescription to the pharmacy. You go pick it up. Like, I'm talking about the kind of drugs where you have to literally go pick up the prescription itself from the doctor and take it to the pharmacy. Like, the doctor can't just call it in. You get all that shit over the counter in Mexico. So Manuel Loco Torres, his last two fights, granted, they've been short fights. But like I said, the physique looks different. Um, his hands, everything he throws is with insane amounts of power and looking to finish you with every shot. But on the flip side, with that style, if he does get extended, that's where I have my concerns. So I see him being the longer fighter here, and absolutely, he's live for a knockout. Mata has been put out before, but I do feel like should this fight get extended, Mata is kind of the more savvy vet, and Mata might if he can find his timing and not be too badly compromised in the early going, he might be able to take over as the fight progresses.
1: Yeah. It, uh, it pains me to uh, go against uh, my Mexican brother. Cause I'm, I'm usually all um, Viva Mexico when it comes to betting UFC, but um, I had to take some Mata in this spot and um, you know, you, you broke down the fight really well. Um, but for me, what it comes down to is the striking defense, and um, just the technical differences that they have. I think Mata is the much more technical, much cleaner striker. Um, you know, going back and watching Torres's past couple of fights, um, he leaves way too many openings. His striking's like insanely reckless. Um, So I I think there's a couple paths of victory that Moda can take um, to beat uh, Torres in the spot. And, you know, like I said earlier, when we were talking about Marvin, he comes from a good game planning gym. And I'm hoping that they have a decent game plan. Like, all you have to do is tire this guy out, (laughs) not get clipped within the first couple minutes, and Moda's going to win. And Moda's counterboxing is super clean. Um, like if Torres is striking like he was against Camacho, um, he's going to leave plenty of opportunities with his chin out. And I think that Moda will be able to take advantage of it. And if not, I think it would be smart for Moda to try to grapple and try to wrestle and, you know, get, get Torres tired and get those muscles working. And, you know, because before he landed the knockout shot against Camacho, um, Taurus was slowing down so yeah I think I think this is a solid spot for Moda but it is going to be dangerous for like the first couple minutes
0: so you were alluding to how you said Marvin Vittori you know the camp he's training at now Mata the camp he's training at now so correct me if I'm if I'm wrong so Marvin went from Kings MMA to Extreme Couture and Mata went from like Frankie Edgar in New Jersey with them he's at Extreme Couture now correct yeah okay so they're they're really building a nice little roster over there of fighters i mean even walking buckley after the curtis fight now he's training with curtis so it's pretty cool to see what they're doing i mean eric nixick top-notch coach as far as i'm concerned so yeah he's getting a good look but bottom line it comes down to that same dynamic like we're gonna be uh puckering our buttholes those first few exchanges because manuel throws <laughs> manuel chucks manuel looks to take you out true Mexican warrior, big improvements from his regional scene. And like, even the shots he was throwing at Camacho, I know Camacho is a punching bag. You don't got to tell me, but like, man, like the the sounds of those shots, it was like, Oh my God, like hundred percent into every shot. So Nick's got to be, you know, he's got to be aware of this early. Um, And if he is, like you said, we've seen on the contender series that he's, he's evolved from just being that he, you know, in his words, he called himself a Brazilian jungle boy. Right. And like, meaning that he's just like this brawler, but I think he showed in that contender series fight that like, Hey, like I-, I can go three rounds too and pick someone apart. And even Dana criticized him saying he wasn't sure if Nick had the killer in him, which actually made me laugh because, you know, as someone who's watched Nick's entire career, just cause like he was fighting on regional scenes next to me, you know, fought one of my best friends, Robert Hale fought Joe Selecki, who's you know, here on the East coast. Um, to me he's always been this brazilian killer so when dana was questioning his killer instinct i was like actually that's a big sign of maturity for nick Mata because you know dana hadn't seen his previous fights i've seen his previous fights so i thought that was a big step in the right direction we can ride off the miller fight you know what happens when guys fight miller on their ufc debut um but loss is aging well it is right it is um (laughs) it's just we know that he can get chinned here um and we can't act surprised if that happens and we can't you know tr- try to act like you know if he gets chin in the first like two minutes like you know you don't tweet out how you were on the value side just give your props to torres and move on
1: yeah you can't call it a meme <laughs>
0: <laughs> no shit. but yeah no i feel you dogger pass situation here and i hope Motto wins because uh you know that that win will look good for my boy robert Hill, who i want to see in the ufc here soon so Let's go, Nick.
1: I think the UFC likes both of these guys, too, because they gave them two tee-up spots in their last fights, you know, against Camacho and against Cameron Van Cam. You know, so I think they're trying to see who who the real prospect is, and it should be a fun one.
0: Another interesting thing, just purely kind of like doesn't matter, but kind of cool, you know that – so remember how like Trey Ogden – was supposed to fight uh Manuel Torres and then Ignacio stepped in, and then Ignacio was supposed to fight uh Mada, and then mm-hmm. Torres stepped in. So they've been playing uh, a little bit of musical chairs, yeah. But uh next up in the welterweight division, kicking off the main card, we got Muslim Salikov, he's 19 and three, taking on Nicholas Dalby, who's 21 and 4. Currently, they got it. Muslim Salakov, it just depends where you look, everywhere from minus 185 to minus 190 ish the comeback on nick Dolby is plus 165 listen man nick Dolby's a tough out you know and he's a guy that honestly i think that even though he's getting closer to 40 he's like in his peak form right now um he's really figuring things out and he's got some low-key great wins on his resume man like even dating back ufc debut beats zaleski in brazil Um, goes to a draw with Darren Till back when Darren Till was, you know, the man. You know, I'm talking about Darren Till with confidence, not Darren Till that asked to leave the UFC. Um, And then, unfortunately, you know, he had those setbacks, got cut from the UFC, built his way back up, comes back in there. And and here's my thing with, with Nick Dalby. It's like he's one of those guys that, like, you'll, like, drop his ass in the first round, but if he's still there, like, third round nick dalby in some fights was like a mythical creature like that darren till fight he just puts it on dudes in that third round which is ironic because his last fight against Warley, that's he actually slowed down badly in that third round but granted he actually put up the most output he's ever put in any single fight i actually bet Warley there plus 125 and shout out to dalby man you know prove me wrong but man i just see um besides the worley fight i think he gets hurt in way too many fights i think that he gives up a lot of bad positions in too many fights i think historically his volume's on the lower side despite that last fight against Warley. um and then here with salikov also a low volume guy but i think salikov is infinitely more dangerous than nick dalby standing and dalby how many times has he been dropped in ufc competition It's actually not as much as I thought. Once against Ronson, once against Sabata, once against Cummings, once against Darren Till. I mean, that's still, you know, he's still 0 for 4 in his uh, knockdown ratio. Muslim Salikov can put people out. Um, The thing I'm worried about is I do give the cardio edge to uh, to Nick Dalby. If he can survive some shit here, this gets to that third round. That's where I kind of see Nick taking over. Um, But man, I think that on the feet, I think that just the fear of what's coming back at him is going to kind of make Dalby resort back to his lower-volume ways, and the firepower difference is huge. And I do think that there's going to be some knockdowns, whether it's with the famous spins, whether it's with a a, a check hook, whatever the case may be. So I do see Muslim, you know, just landing the more damage here, and if it goes to decision, that gets him the win. But I'm not riding off a knockout either. Um, And Muslim's been a guy that I've been – um, undefeated betting. That doesn't mean I can't lose, but you know, I did bet him against Nordine Taleb. Uh, I think underdog odds against Zaleski, uh, pick him. Um, it's funny. I said, uh, no guy named Muslims losing a judge's decision in Abu, in Abu Dhabi. And that's exactly what happened. It was a close ass fight, bet him against Trinaldo. Thank God I passed against Li Liang, And then I bet him against, uh, Fialio. So I have a good history with this guy and I, there's a reason I faded Dalby against Worley Alves, and I give him all the credit in the world for that that win. He, you got it fair and square. I'm not going to discredit him, but I'm going to go back to the well, and I'm looking to fade uh, Dalby again. Just, I, as long as it doesn't go to, to minus two hundred, then I'll pass. But minus one seventy five, minus one eighty five. I think I'm 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 trying to take a look here.
1: Yeah, for for me, it's it's a it's a dogger pass situation, um, and you know, like you said, Dalby looked almost career best in his last fight against Elvis. And I, I did have a, a bet on Worley in that spot at plus money. Um,
0: real quick. Why did you bet Worley there?
1: Because I thought that he was going to start out hot and win the first round at a high clip. And if I needed to, I could live bet my way out of it. And I, I thought that Worley would be able to, you know, hurt him in the first round and maybe lock up a submission. It was in Brazil. um, yeah, Worley's usually really dangerous early. Absolutely.
0: And, and and it's funny. Worley's the guy that wins the third round, which is something I would have yeah. never predicted. I thought it was going to be the opposite. I was, I was like, bank the first two rounds and then just coast in the third round and we got this or finish yeah. him along the way. But And then the opposite happened.
1: Yeah, but what impressed me from that was the amount of volume that Dalby was able to put up on him. And, um, you know, as much as... You said that, you know, dolby has been dropped in multiple fights, which he has, but Muslim has been hurt. He got hurt in his last fight against Andre. You know, he almost got finished. Granted, you know, Andre cracks harder than Dolby, but fight before that, he got knocked out by Leach. So,
0: but I mean, you know, that's one of the heaviest hitters in welterweight history.
1: True, but he's thirty nine years old, so it's just that is true. That is true. It's enough. It's enough um, cause for concern that I. It's a dog or pass situation for me, and um, you know, with the amount of volume that Dalby was able to put up, um, you know, I'm not really sure how the grappling is going to go in this fight. I think they're both going to try to get takedowns um and yeah i just i think there's a lot of variance in this fight and you know for that reason i think dalby's his side
0: now next up in the bantamweight division we got hyoni barcelos 17 and 4 taking on miles johns who's 13 and 2. currently they got it hyoni just depends where you look minus 211 on bet online Plus 181 for John's. What's up? with Why is it not minus 210 plus 180? Why is it minus 211 plus 181? Do you know the the science
1: behind that? Well, no, I don't know. They probably had it at minus 210 and someone bet it and they felt like they had to move it one point. (laughs)
0: Like (laughs) 0.01. Yeah. uh, That's great. So, um, yeah, so minus 211 plus 181 okay so these are the kind of spots that i love when you have a guy with low output versus a high output guy i always love taking the high output guy This is an angle that i've been doing for years i mean even hyoni's last win against trevin jones do you know what the numbers were in that fight my man it, it was like the kind of numbers that'll make you smile um and they made me smile as well on total strikes listen to this hyony outstruck trevin jones 119 to 15 (laughs) 119 to 15 you know what i'm saying um got a knockdown in there as well got two takedowns like when he goes up against these low output guys he schools them um you know i think that when we talk about the victor henry fight what you gotta put context in is that victor henry attempted 397 strikes i repeat If you round up Victor Henry attempted 400 strikes, like the individual rounds of that fight are, you know, there's more output in the individual rounds of that fight than there are in entire Miles Johns fights, right? Like, for example, um, Hayoni landed more strikes in round three against Victor Henry than Miles Johns has in almost every single UFC fight he's had besides the Anderson Dos Santos fight um so right away the volume difference is huge now there's a narrative about look is getting up there in age coming off a knockout loss i'm more worried about the getting up there in age than the knockout loss because that was the first and only time he's been dropped and knocked out and that was against an absolute phenom and he he wasn't scared of the phenom he went after umar and tried to fight him like a man got caught with a slick ass combo. Like it like people were like, oh, that didn't look like a big shot. But it's the ones you don't see coming that are and especially if it's on the right spot. And Umar set him up nicely, kind of blinded him with the same side kick before he went to the same, same side punch. And hey beautiful stuff miles johns isn't built like that but what miles johns does do he's got kind of like that woodley style he's short he's compact he's going to back himself up into the fence and he's going to try to time some big bombs that's what miles johns does against some lower level opponents miles johns will be able to mix in wrestling from time to time but here i see him doing that kind of woodley game plan back yourself into the fence and try to time a big overhand, a big uppercut, a big left hook, whatever the case may be. But if he's not able to do that and put Hyoni out, I mean, wh- if this fight goes 3 rounds when you zoom out and you look at the box score, I mean, I think that it's going to be Hiyoni doubling him up on strikes. I think it's going to be Hiyoni that's got more takedowns landed, submission attempts, possibly even knockdowns. Um so yeah, I like Hiyoni here. Um I think the thing with Hione is this is the only thing that's holding him back is his age um besides that i mean if this dude was 32 years old he'd be a top five guy as far as i'm concerned but what is he 36 37 something like that getting up there in age so the skills are there it's just you know the body is kind of you know on the decline a little bit but i still think he's good enough to beat miles johns so i think miles johns is ko or bust in this spot unless hyoni so you know Un, you know uncharacteristically gun-shy that the volume's not there which i just don't see happening um yeah this is a volume spot give me high on it
1: yeah i'm with you on that i like barcelo's in the spot um yeah john's is a fade for me in general anyways um and then you give match him up with someone as talented as barcelo's i think it's a slam dunk um I guess you do have to worry a little bit about the age and durability. So you can't make them like minus 500, but minus 200 is good for me. Um, You know, you really got to question Miles John's decision-making when he leaves Fortis MMA to go train at glory MMA. (laughs) And um, you know, right after he got to glory, the gym gets shut down. So he's been training at Trey Ogden's gym. Um, So yeah, he's got worse. He's at like the worst camp he's ever been at in his career. Um, he has terrible durability. He's low volume. Um, I think it's easy for Hyone. Yes,
0: sir. All right. So this is an interesting one. Next, next up in the flyweight division, we got Jimmy Flick, the former LFA champion. He's sixteen and six, taking on Alessandro Costa, who's twelve and three and uh is, is he also no he's a former Lux fighting champion not lfa um currently they got it alessandro costa minus 245 did i say alessandro ricci earlier i i hope i didn't say that you do you remember alessandro ricci the guy paul felder knocked out uh with that disgusting elbow a few years back he was like a dude that came into the ufc went zero and two was gone but uh anyways so, Alessandro Costa minus 245, Jimmy Flick plus 210. I get the fade on Flick, but what do we know about Costa? What do you know about Costa? Because I get it. Flick, it's basically submission or bust. He's gotten his ass whooped in both his UFC fights. The first one pulled off, you know, a miracle flying triangle that if they ever ran it back, I think Cody would beat his ass. And then the next fight, Charles beat his ass. And then, you know, he retired. He's doing the whole bit. I don't know where his head's at, but I know how good he is on the mat. I know how good he can be on the mat. Um what's Alessandro Costa got? Because I feel like there's a chance that he's being overrated from that al fight. Like, I don't think, like, people were talking about how good he looked against al I disagree, man. I mean, I thought that the first round, al took his time to make some reads. He's completely unfamiliar with his opponent, has no idea who he is, plays it a little bit safe. And then the second and third round, he beat the living shit out of him. So, um, you know, do you know more about Costa than I do? And, you know, are you well-versed on his regional fights?
1: Well, what I can tell you is that he's a black belt trained under Diego Lopez, huh. who is a super high level BJJ yep. player. So he's, I think he is someone who you can trust his jujitsu defense. And, you know, when, when you have a matchup with Jimmy Flick, as long as you can defend the submissions, you're going to win. Um, so I I think this is pretty much a, a slam dunk spot for Costa. Um I kind of think that Flick kind of came back just as a money grab, just to get a couple of paychecks and some free meals from the UFC. (laughs) Um, You know, not completely shit on the opportunity that he had. um, But, you know, he's shown that he can't take a punch. If the fight gets extended and he can't get a, you know, random submission, he's not going to win. So I think that Costa should handle business, but it's just like, how much juice do you want to, play on a guy who's zero and one in the UFC and still young in his career
0: you had me at Diego Lopez black belt so thank you for letting me know that
1: yeah and, Viva uh, Mexico
0: yes sir well well is Brazilian but
1: Viva Mexico anyways well, he trains in Mexico does he yeah
0: are we talking about the same Diego Lopez that fought uh Mozart?
1: yeah yeah oh, the, shit. The, the BJJ coach for um, Alexa Grasso and um, who else? Irena No, or yeah, Aldana too. Yeah.
0: Hey, dope. Great. That's all I need to know. Yeah, you
1: see, you you saw how slick he was too when he fought Mavzar. Everyone thought he was gonna run through him, myself included. Yeah,
0: I mean, he gave a great account of himself for sure costa's the pick next up in the bantamweight division we got mr perfect kyung ho kang he's 18 and 9 taking on christian quinones who's 18 and 3 currently they got it christian quinones minus 158 The comeback on mr perfect is plus 138 so i bet on christian quinones his last fight against taha kind of like what we were talking about with the barcelos and johns or barcelos and trevin jones same reason i mean Kali Taha has no output whatsoever. It's kind of a KO or bust guy. And Christian Quiñones is a volume guy. So I was just like, all right, just double him up on strikes and we're good to go. And then he ends up knocking him out in the first round. Even better. So thank you, Christian. But here's a little bit different because Kyung Ho Kang is a very seasoned vet of the sport. He showed his last fight a career best output, kind of like Dalby did. It's kind of cool to see these guys. They've had these long-ass careers and they're, they're still making strides. So I love to see it Uh christian kind of reminds me of his brother uh techo you know what i mean just like with a with a better chin slightly bigger maybe a little bit more potential but this is a fight i'm worried about because like i said i was confident against taha you know no volume versus volume i love those spots but here kyung ho seriously experienced vet the only the only concerns is like kyung ho kind of fights close with everybody right so uh, it's not like i think kyung ho is going to blow him out the water. Um, But do you think Kyung Ho has some vet tactics waiting for this kid and possibly hand him his first UFCL?
1: I think it's possible. I think um, so. I got the opener on Quinones at plus 145, I think. Oh, shit. Um, be- yeah. I like because I-, I looked into this fight early and I had it capped as a 50 50 fight. I think it's. It's kind of hard to predict um how it's actually gonna play out um you know it it should go the distance um and you know i i think they kind of represent almost like a mirror mirror matchup they're both like somewhat low volume um but just from like a career trajectory standpoint i thought i give this slightly to quinones and i knew the line was going to come in so I jumped on that one early, but I wouldn't bet him at juice in this spot. Um, Kang is like, he could give him like a vet lesson, but it's just, I don't know. I think Kang's aside at the current price, you can't lay juice, um, on Quinonez with his lack of experience.
0: You know, I feel you. I mean, like I said, you know, the Taha fight was a different price, a different situation. Um, Man, and you got a good price and the limits weren't too low or anything like that when you got that dog odd.
1: No, I mean, they let you put up to a thousand dollars on it. And you have to remember that that Taha fight was on short notice, too. I mean, Khalid Taha is like not anything really to write home about, but going across the world and getting a first round knockout, um, you know, he's still young enough to be making improvements and he's another, uh, uh, another mexican warrior
0: no he really is and i love his style it's kind of like a mexican dominic cruz he's a little herky-jerky on un- unorthodox footwork lots of feints and he's always throwing something um so you love to see it and then kyung ho kang i mean dude this is a guy i've been watching how many fucking years have i been watching this guy since 2013 you know he's just a true og true vet and i mean sometimes he's gonna school these young kids not school them but out out, you know, just edge him out, right? Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he did that here. But I'm a lean with the young gun, but not interested well, at the, at the current price.
1: Yeah, that's the thing with Kang. Like his margins are always so thin in his victories. It's just like, you know, that's why you kind of have to think in this spot, you know, it's probably going to be another close spot. Look at all the split decisions he has on his record. And you know, he's he's always shown good durability. Um you know it leads me to believe it's probably going to be another close um close decision one on thin margins
0: now before we talk about the last five fights starting off with carlos hernandez versus Denny's bonder everybody do me a huge favor smash the like button subscribe if you're not already subscribed and when this is over leave me a comment and then also follow pepe at pepe underscore sylvia 716 now Next up in the flyweight division, we got Carlos Hernandez. He's 8-2, taking on Denny's Bondar, who's 16-4. and four. Currently, they got it. Denny's Bondar, minus 129. Carlos Hernandez, plus 109. So, line flipped. You know, it opened with Carlos being uh, the favorite here. And Denny's is a guy that came into the UFC with a lot of hype. Um, but when you watch his regional fights, look, he did his thing for sure. You know, he's a decently strong grappler. You know, some good submissions and and he's gonna at least you know he's gonna attempt takedowns. He's gonna go for it as far as the takedowns are concerned. He may even land some takedowns in this spot. Um, I did have issues with the level of competition. I also had issues with the level of physicality. I, I, I think that he's a guy that at the UFC level can be bullied around, and the striking defense wasn't the prettiest either. Now on the other side with Carlos Hernandez. You no, know, you could say he's got less experience but he's fought much better competition i mean on his uh contender series fight against daniel barres who i think will be in the ufc one day i mean look it might not have been Sodique Yusuf, mike davis it might not have been holly and piva versus Alain Nascimento, but i'd still put that you know daniel barres versus carlos hernandez fight up there with like top five to top ten contender series fights ever that was a dog fight and i remember tweeting during that fight like sign both these guys they're absolute dogs they went for it and i thought they could compete with guys at the ufc level right then and there uh, so he gets signed you know first fight is against the lfa champion victor Altamirano, and they had a spirited battle man and i thought carlos edged it out next fight against alan Nascimento, who's got way more experience but legitimate way more experience not padded record more experience i'm talking real more experience alan did his thing and alan's gonna do that to a lot of guys so that i mean if anything i take it as a positive that you know you learned you're not invincible you learn that there's another level now you go back to the gym he's training with great people A valley flow striking he's got Bilal muhammad who i think is one of the best minds in the game they got yair from time to time there um there's a bunch of other great fighters there uh Let's not talk about Juliana Pena, even though she's one of belt. but I can't fucking stand hearing her talk, but I bet, in, I bet in the gym, she's not annoying like that.
1: Um, I think,
0: <laughs> who knows, but, uh, Hey, can you hear me? Okay. It says my, my connections fucked up.
1: No, I can hear you. Okay. Great. Great. Great.
0: So n- now it's time for him to bounce back. Um, I think there's past the victory for both. I think that on the feet, even though Carlos isn't much of a KO threat, I think that he's a threat in terms of outvoluming someone and he's always going to be active. He's always going for stuff, sets up some really nice body shots. And honestly, I like everything about Carlos Hernandez in terms of his game. What I don't like is he's not the most physical. He's not the most athletic. So there's going to be times when guys can absolutely bully him. And I do think that Denny's Bonder um, can land takedowns in this fight. It's just that if Denny's Bonner can't hold him down or can't submit him, I think he might end up getting lit up uh, on the feet, not necessarily knocked out but just kind of outpointed. So, I see it being a really close fight. I'm a lean with the underdog uh, Carlos Hernandez here.
1: I don't yeah, I don't I don't blame you for leaning with um Carlos at the current price. Um I I played Bondar at plus 120. And um the reason that I played him at plus 120 was, you know, I I factor in a lot of things when it, when it comes to capping these fights. And one of the things that I analyze is the market value and, you know, Bondar when he fought Malcolm Gordon was a minus 350, uh, favorite. And, you know, you can say what you want about the fight, but in actuality, it lasted what 90 seconds and then he had an arm injury. So I'm really not going to draw too many conclusions off someone's debut where the fight lasted 90 seconds and then there was an injury. Um, And so, like, keeping that in mind where he was a minus 350 favorite and he got injured in the fight, um, you know, I, I think it's kind of an overreaction to have him as an underdog to Carlos Hernandez someone who gives up takedowns quite easily, um, and someone who, when he wins, it's on thin margins. His his two victories have been split decision wins. Um, so, I mean, I'd rather take the guy under dog odds who has the grappling upside. Um, so, yeah, I, I played Bondar, but I do think that there's, like, there is a chance that he's, like, a complete fraud. You know, like, because his regional opposition is awful, except for he does have a win over Steve Erseg on regionals. And, you know, that win has obviously aged pretty well um, in the past couple weeks. So I I think there's a lot of unknowns with this fight. I'm super excited to see how it plays out. But um, yeah, I took Bonder when he was plus money.
0: I mean, if we're going to talk about amateurs carlos ironically enough also has two amateur wins over guys currently in the ufc charles johnson and jose johnson
1: Um, and over uh andy has a win over brandon
0: yeah 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 for sure so i mean they're both here's the thing it's like how good was steven ursig back then i didn't watch the fight um because it was an amateur fight like so was it like three minute rounds because some of these denny's bonners fights they weren't even in a ring and as soon as the fights would go to the ground they'd stand them back up right away like you saw you know which one i'm talking about his last loss prior to malcolm gordon yeah uh, when fighting that bigger russian guy
1: yeah those the ukrainian some of those ukrainian regional fights are fucking weird and you can't even find all of them either so there there's a there's a decent amount of guesswork into, you know, what his ceiling is, what his potential is, if he's already met that, if he's fraudulent, how good his grappling is. Um, you know, so I think questions will be answered um in this matchup because Carlos is super well rounded. Um, you know, Nasamento is an absolute stud. And I bet Nasamento ITD against him in that spot. But, you know, I'm I'm not, like, foolish enough to think that um, Carlos's grappling is going to be anything like Nascimento's, but, you know, Nascimento was a minus 350 in that spot. So, yeah, I just think there's a little overreaction, but we'll see.
0: Would you bet Bonder at the current minus price?
1: Um, No, probably not. Probably not.
0: Now, next up, also in the flyweight division, we got the UFC debut of the LFA champ, Philippe Bunez. He's 13 and 6, taking on Zagas Zumagulov, who's 14 and 8. Currently they got it. Zaga Zumagulov minus 170. The comeback on Philippe Bunez is plus 145. So there's been a lot of talk about why did this guy get signed, this and that. I mean, I thought he looked pretty fucking good on his regional fights personally. And even when you look at his fight against Juicie, eh? um so it's supposed to be a bantamweight fight. And this dude, Juicy Formiga, what does what, what, what he come in at? He came in at, uh, they, they don't have it on Tapology. They said 139, but I thought he missed by like 15 pounds. Were they initially scheduled to fight at flyweight and then they moved? Yeah. yeah okay. So that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. 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 So he did miss by 15 pounds. Um, and also, no longer under the USADA testing pool um, in LFA. Also, Formiga is a guy that has wins over Sergio Perez, Bellator champion. Um, who else? Oh, yeah. Davison Figueiredo, former two time UFC champion, and went to a split with Henry Cejudo. So, I mean, Formiga is not some fucking slouch. And also, I got to give Felipe a lot of credit, man, because when that shit was locked in, like, dude, none of us would have held it against him if he tapped. And this dude, Felipe Munas went to sleep like like he went out like a warrior and you when, you know the squeeze of those black belts man i mean that shit feels like your jaw's about to break your your windpipe's about to explode like you're about to die and he went out to sleep like a warrior like a guerrero you know what i'm saying did you see that video with alex Pereira where they uh, asked him his opinion on the whole top 10 and like they'd, they'd be like jamal hill he'd be like guerrero they'd be like <laughs> <laughs> they'd be like, guerrero (laughs) israel adesanya guerrero and then they asked him one other guy and like he like trashed him and then the next five guys he called him guerrero yeah i do remember that so for those that don't know guerrero means warrior but uh (laughs) with felipe like the first my first thought of him like if i had to describe him guerrero you know what i'm saying the dude's a fucking warrior training uh with fight ready um Obviously he's a, he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt but what I like is that he really surprised me with some of like these kicks some of those check knees up the middle like I feel like he's progressively been getting more explosive in a lot of his fights he's been putting on size he's getting more athletic he's getting more experience he's around the right people um, and with Zagas, look, Zagas is a skilled guy, but Zagas fights close every single fight. And I'm not even talking about in the UFC, go back and watch those fights in Russia. A lot of us thought he lost those fights. Whether we're talking about the uh, uh, Ali Bagautinov fight,
1: whether we're definitely talking about the, the definitely the Tagir fight, the Tagir fight. Oh my god, that was bad.
0: Even this one yeah. on a lesser scale, but even the Tyson Nam fight was kind of uh, you know. Um, and then in the UFC, everyone's acting like he's been getting robbed these fights. And while one could say it's karma for what happened in Russia, um, I don't think that a lot of these fights have been the robberies people are trying to describe them to be. You know, actually, I was like, if you go on MMA decisions, I was like the only person that scored the Molina fight and the Charles Johnson fight against Zalagas. And I actually stick to that to this day reason being like jeff molina like tripled him up on strikes um and then the charles fight so the charles fight is one where i'll watch it and sometimes i'll be like i I see why people thought zagas won but the reason that i i I scored it for johnson initially is because like when you look at how zagas was throwing yeah he was throwing a lot but a lot of it was swinging at air a lot of it was hitting glove was hitting shoulder he was missing whereas when charles landed his shots popping the head back, getting big reactions. So I actually thought he lost those fights. But regardless of if you thought he won or, or he lost, he's 1-5 in, in the UFC. He fights super close every single fight, and he's minus 175 here. So I think that this is a dogger pass situation, and I'm going to pick Felipe Bunez to upset Zuma Gulov.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I, another thing that like I keep in mind for this fight is You know, Felipe has has worked his entire career to get to this moment. Um, And, you know, you can see in his fights that his striking has improved. He's the more dangerous guy. You know, Zalgus just fights close in every fight. It's just, I I think it's tough to place him as favorite in this spot. Felipe is going to be a lot bigger. Zalgus is pretty, pretty tiny. and. Let's see. How old is Elgus now?
0: No, but that's a good point. Before you pull up his age, I'm glad you brought up that he's tiny because the criticism I had going into the UFC, Pepe, was that this dude will get bullied and pushed around and backed up in multiple of his fights. That's why I bet Holly and Paiva in that fight. And don't even try me on no robbery bullshit there either. Um, So, yeah, back to what we were saying. He gets bullied. He doesn't make it uh, decisive enough. And I mean, he's minus 175, most importantly. So,
1: yeah, Felipe is huge for the weight class, too. Um, He's going to be three inches taller with a five inch reach advantage. Um, You know, I I don't know if he's going to implement takedowns against Zalgus, but he could if he wanted to. Um, I just see him as being like the much stronger guy. Um, I think he's going to be landing the harder shots. Um, But, you know, sometimes he starts slow and, you know, we've seen in all of Zalgus' fights, the ones that do go to decision, um, he slows down. So this could be like a really good live betting spot. But even before the fight, I like a bet on Felipe.
0: Are you wearing a Carmela from Sopranos t-shirt there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. My dog. Yes. Yes, especially for uh, I thought it was fitting to uh, picking Vittori in the main event to have a soprano shirt on <laughs> as well.
0: Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Got to rep the East Coast. Uh, not too long ago, I went back and watched all six seasons again. I fucking love that show.
1: It's man. a classic yeah it really is
0: never gets old and i'm not one that shits on the ending either like i get why people wanted more but like when you think about it um from tony's perspective he gets whacked so everything goes straight to black it's from his perspective so um i get why at first because at first i was like oh what happened is this really it blah 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 but you know the more i've watched it i'm kind of like i think it's kind of like unique and we're still talking about it to this day which maybe it was an effective ending
1: yeah it's a it's a just like the rest of the show, it's a classic ending, one that you can't forget.
0: So, next up, also in the flyweight division, this time the women's flyweight division, we got Teresa Bleda. She's six and one, taking on Gabriela Fernandez, who's eight and two. Currently, they got it. Teresa Bleda minus 240. The comeback on Gabriela Fernandez is plus 205. Another one that's kind of black and white for me, and I think you know exactly why. I mean, You know that if they stand up, Gabriela Fernandez is going to bust her ass up. And you also know that Gabriela Fernandez, I mean, literally anyone can take her down. And Teresa is going to look to take her down and will take her down. Um, But, man, there was a reason that, I don't know. So whenever I I film, you know, I uh, cap these contender series fights, right? So I watched the contender series fight and then I skipped to the very end to see what Dana had to say about these fighters, why he's signing them or why he's not signing them. And he felt like Teresa Bleda was simply not ready for the UFC at the time. And in fact, when they signed her and she bought Natalia Silva, it was like a short notice replacement. So it's not like they had plans for her to be in the company. And Gabriela, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't she do her thing in, uh, in LFA? Did she win a belt over there?
1: No, she didn't win a belt, but she had a couple wins.
0: Wait, no, she won an interim belt.
1: Oh, she had an interim belt
0: yeah so when she fought caroline martins um it was a vacant interim
1: they fighter. hand those WMMA lfa belts to anyone <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you know so she gets signed as a you know as a champ loses to a top 15 fighter and jasmine no shame in that but let's take away the jasmine fight aside i bet on jasmine they're at dog odds too by the way which is amazing but i'd make that bet 10 out of ten, ten 10 out of 10 times but the thing is, these lower-level opponents were taking her down with with the ease of ease. I mean, like literally no resistance, and that's not gonna fly against Blada. And while I think that Blada is a fraud, and if you actually, you know, stand up to her, you know, you get back up from those takedowns and you let her feel your presence. I mean, if Gabi can do that, I think she's got a chance here. It's just, do you think that once she gets taken down, that round's over and you got to start again next
1: round? yeah probably um so unfortunately i made the terrible bet and um gabby against um jasmine and in that last fight which i was completely wrong about jasmine and um gabby but i did to give myself a little credit i did go pretty damn big on um silva against blada and i remember that was like that was like a contentious fight of Twitter for that week. There was a ton of steam on um, on Blada and I had, you know, a bunch of negative CLV and I doubled down on Silva. And, you know, obviously that's aging really well. But as far as this matchup, I don't want any part of it, um, you know, because I kind of lean Gabby. In the spot at the current odds but i just don't want to be yelling at my tv when she gets taken down and you know
0: she lucas gets, almeida passed yeah,
1: exactly it's like i don't want to be yelling when she gets taken down 30 seconds into the round and you know the round is over and you know the ref is come on you got to do more you got to do more and you know they don't get to stand up and it's just like why did i do this to myself so i'll be happy H- happy to sit this one out
0: man the thing is gabby is like a unit man like standing like she's dangerous as fuck Her she can girl. good yeah and you don't uh, like i talk about this all the time when you get a chick that can actually drop other women knock them out hurt them standing you stand out from the pack so if she can just tighten this one thing up well two things take down defense and get up game
1: mm-hmm. uh
0: man then she would whoop this girl's ass it's just back to the when she gets taken out that one time and she's on her back for four straight minutes you know the couple punches she landed earlier in the round everyone's gonna forget about them and she's gonna lose that round so i'm rooting for gabriella i really want her to win i'm a much bigger fan of her style um but i think blada should get it off top control i mean if she can take down natalia silva she can take down this girl um it's just
1: you gotta gassed out though
0: True. It's just you got to take her down three times or two of three times and survive the last round.
1: So I don't know. I don't know if her. I don't think her top pressure and top game is going to be as good as Jasmine's either. So I it's don't know. N- it's
0: not. It's not. But the get up game of Gabriella. I mean, it might have. It might be improving. But like from what I've seen, it's kind of like you. You. You know, like Douglas Lima. Um. So we love Douglas Lima here from ATL. You know, a former multiple time Bellator champ, you know, just a guy we all love. But the thing we always criticize with Douglas Lima is when he got taken down, like he's so content to close his guard and try to get that butterfly sleep. And when that doesn't work, he just lays on his back, no urgency to get back up. And on a much lower level scale, I think Gabriela Fernandez has some of those qualities. And again, it's the throw your remote at the TV kind of bet where she's gonna tag her up. As long as it's standing, but once she gets taken down and you know, four minutes fly by, that's when I'm gonna be pulling out my chest hair since you know there's no <laughs> head hair.
1: Well, and um, you know and to, to give Bleda some of her flowers, she she did win first round against Natalia Silva, and that's that's no easy feat. So I think I think the way I'm gonna approach this is um just to look to live by uh Gabriella after round one. Hopefully she gets dominated, but you know she makes Blado work really hard, and I can get plus one thousand on G- Gabriella in between one and two.
0: You'd love to see it now. Next up in the bantamweight division, we got Ronnie Lawrence. He's eight and two, taking on Dan Argueta, who's nine and one. Currently, they got it. Ronnie Lawrence minus one eighty to come back on Dan Argueta is plus one fifty five. Now, I don't know if you're much of a stats guy. Uh, do you look at stats at all? yeah for sure okay well the stats say that this shit is fucking evenly matched like not granted only two only like what two or three fight sample sizes well four for for ronnie but only two fight sample size for um for dan but granted you know both those fights dan had did go the distance so we have 30 minutes of you know 30 minutes of evidence um so initially i was thinking like because Do you remember, like, you know how I was talking about how, like, when I watch the contender series fights, I don't just watch the fights. Then I go back and I see why Dana did or didn't pick these guys. Like, because it's not just coming from Dana's mouth. Prior to him going on camera, he's backstage with the matchmakers and they're discussing the reasoning. So, you know, what he's saying is kind of influence from Mick and Sean. And they said that they thought Ronnie Lawrence was special. And, you know, for guys like that who have seen thousands of fighters over the years, to say someone special, I took notes. So I was like, all right, let's pay attention if that's the case or not. And Ronnie Lawrence goes out there, and I mean, on the contender series, lands 12 takedowns, ne- uh, UFC debut, eight takedowns. Next fight, three knockdowns and six takedowns. But then he fought a better grappler than him and Saeed Yacoub, and he's the one that got taken down 10 times, only landed 15 strikes. He, he got dominated. You can call it an off night, or you can give all the credit to Saeed, Yacoub, whatever you want to do there. So here, now it's. Are we looking at overcorrection? Are we looking at maybe we, we were simply wrong about Ronnie Lawrence? Like, like what do you kind of think is the case here? Because I don't want to write someone off based off one performance, but that one performance was so bad that maybe he wasn't the guy we thought he was. Take it a step further, Argueta can wrestle too.
1: Yeah. So my my initial thoughts on the matchup were that. Um, Lawrence has shown that, um, his takedown defense isn't great from the Kakramana fight and Argetta a really solid wrestler. Um, so Argetta should be the side, but the more I looked into it and the more I thought about it, um, you know, I, I really, I really don't like, um, Argetta's striking defense whatsoever. If you go back to some of his LFA fights, like he's getting lit the fuck up on the feet. He barely moves his head. You know, he's young, so he can be making improvements. But, you know, number one, I don't like his striking defense at all. And Ronnie can crack. You know, just ask Mana Martinez how hard he hits. Um, So I I think Ronnie's going to have a significant striking edge on the feet. Um, And Kakramanov is an animal, you know, like – yeah is not going to have the cardio that Kokramanov, uh showed in that fight. And, you know, it just – it was a perfect fight for Sayyidoukoub. Like, he, the first shot he threw just, like, broke Ronnie's nose. And you could see him, like, touching it, like, a few times after. He's like, what the fuck? And, like, the rest of the fight, like, he had trouble breathing. And he just got completely dominated. But you saw what Sayyidoukoub did to um, – Saeed Nurmagomedov when he fought him too, you know, no one's treated Nurmagomedov like that. So, you know, that kid is built different. Um, and, but yeah, like in Argetta's, uh, last fight, you saw how much he slowed down after round one, you know, he's so well muscled that like, he's just, he's so rigid. He doesn't have good head movement and I don't trust his cardio. Um I think Lawrence is gonna win this fight at a pretty decent clip. But my concerns are the weight cut. Um, you know, our gut is going back down to one thirty-five and Lawrence has had trouble making one thirty-five in the past. So I'm just hoping that there's no issues on the scales and we're actually gonna get this fight. Um but for what it's worth, I messaged um Saidu Cub. And I asked him who he thought he was gonna win. And he thinks our gut is gonna win. He's like, Ronnie's wrestling his shit. Dan's yeah. got this.
0: Let me say this though. Uh when that, when his fight got announced with uh Ronnie, the first thing he tweeted out was Ronnie Lawrence fucking sucks. So he
1: oh, I bet he, big on Saidu Coob in that fight too.
0: Nicely done. Yeah. So he doesn't like the guy, uh for some reason. I don't know what the deal is there but i mean i don't think the kids wrestling sucks you saw the numbers he put up i just think that when you're going up against someone of the caliber saeed yakub who's taking down Nurmagomedovs, like okay that's different but this is a little bit more evenly matched but that being said evenly matched minus 180 is their value at that at that line
1: yeah it's tough um i i ended up playing him at i think minus 150 You know, it's you hate you hate um, like playing that much juice in a fight that could potentially be close and where there still are some questions. So, you know, I I I wouldn't hate just passing at the current lines.
0: I think that Ronnie is the far more skilled fighter. Um, I like the way he blends his striking to his takedown. seems very educated, really good distance. Um, but I think Argueta is actually the more physical guy, and I'm curious if that comes into play in this matchup. But I'm gonna still pick Ronnie Lawrence to win this fight.
1: Yeah, and no, I could see Argueta having his best round in the first round, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how good his control grappling is. Um, and you know, with the amount of scrambling they're gonna have to do, I can I can see Argueta gassing out. To be honest.
0: And last but not least. In the light heavyweight division, we got Modestus Bukowskis, the former Cage Warriors champ. He's 14 and 5, taking on Zach Pauga, who is 6 and 1. Currently, they got it. Modestus, shit, nearing up on minus 200. The comeback on Zach, plus 170. So, you know, a lot of people have been giving Zach a lot of shit for his last fight against Jordan, saying he just hugged him up against the fence and this and that dude, actually he busted his ass up with elbows, was making him bleed all over the place, completely dominated those first two rounds. I mean, I thought he won the third round, too, but, you know, that that clinch-heavy style is going to tax on the cardio a little bit. You know, would it have been nice to see him finish a guy like Jordan who's kind of a glass cannon gets finished in all his losses? Yes, but I mean, he still fought him smart, man, um, and those were good elbows in the clinch. With Modestus, you know, he's going to be the bigger guy here, but He's not the most athletic, you know what I mean? He's not the fastest either. He does have a little bit of that tall man defense, but it does seem like, you know, when he finds his range, he's got some good stuff, man. Um, Isn't his dad like a former like badass fighter or something like from back in the day?
1: Yeah, they have like their own kind of um, martial art that I don't even remember what it's called, but he's like a black belt in whatever martial art his dad has.
0: But it's like it's like a striking based uh, martial yeah. art.
1: That he's a black one. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so, I do think the size and the length of Modestus, you know, especially at range, can give Pauga problems. But I'm not ready to stamp my flag just because you know, look, he did have a good upset against Tyson Pedro. You know, there were rumors about Tyson being injured, but I'm not going to take anything away from Modestus. I just don't want to overreact to that one result. Um, and I still think there's a lot of vulnerabilities in Modesta's game and with Zach, um, he's super green. He's only seven to one. So you are going to be seeing improvements. Even the Usman fight. I thought he was winning that fight until, you know, he ate a a disgusting blow that put him, uh, that sent him into another weight class, but I'm not you know discrediting his jordan Wright fight like yeah it would have been nice to get the finish but dude he dominated jordan Wright, and he didn't just hug jordan Wright. he was busting his ass up in the clinch nasty elbows blood everywhere so yeah it'll be interesting to see how it plays out i think obviously up close you gotta favor pauga if he can get it into the clinch keep it dirty but at distance A little bit more towards Modestus. I think Modestus is a bit more experienced. I'm going to lean with him, but uh, I'm not interested in laying chalk on him in this spot. But he will be my pure pick.
1: Yeah, um, I like I like Modestus in this spot too. Um, I I think it's kind of a tee up spot for him. Um, I think I think the UFC was disappointed with Pauga's performance against Jordan Wright because they put him in a co-main co-main event spot and you know every Jordan Wright fight is super exciting and awesome and very entertaining except for that one. (laughs) You know, and I think they they gave him a good opportunity to, you know, make another highlight reel out of Jordan Wright. And he couldn't get the job done. Yes, he did win, but, you know, that's the only time Jordan Wright's been ever been able to survive 15 minutes in an MMA fight. So I think I think they're giving Modestus a very winnable fight. It's the first fight of the card. I think they want to draw some attention towards him and kind of build him up as the prospect. Um a redemption story. Um everyone loves a good re- redemption story. Like they they did it similar with um Felipe Lins versus Grishan, where they were trying to push Lins as um kind of like the prospect. Who's make climbing his way up the rankings, and they made it the first fight of the night, and I think they're doing something similar here for Modestus, but you know I I think all the value is gone from the line. You know you don't want to be laying minus two hundred on him, but um, you know I think the the punch that um, that knocked Pauga out um, the left hook um, is Modestus's best strike, so I. I wouldn't be surprised if he knocked uh, Zach out in the spot.
0: So before we get out of here, Pepe, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So in your opinion, what is the fight to watch for UFC Vegas? 75.
1: Uh, it's gotta be Torres versus Mota. And why is that? Because it's going to be just an explosion.
0: Yeah no no questions asked uh for me my fight to watch is going to be Hyony barcelos versus miles johns look these are two guys that came to the ufc with ridiculous amounts of expectations people were calling hyoni wec aldo and miles johns off his contender series fight dana White called him a savage it looked like he was going to make an immediate impact in the in uh, the bantamweight division and, you know, he's had some ups and downs, and this is a true crossroads fight for both these guys. I mean, Barcelos loses this, and that might be it. And Johns, I mean, he's going to really have to go to the back of the line if he takes a L L here, but a win, huge momentum, a big next fight, kind of borderline top 15 fight next for the winner here. So, and not to mention, it's going to be an exciting fight. I haven't seen a boring high only Barcelos fight. So, for that reason, Barcelos versus Miles Johns is my fight to watch. Now Pepe, who is your fighter to watch?
1: My fighter to watch is going to be Christian uh, Leroy Duncan. Um, I think a win over Armin Petrosian on the main card is going to be huge for his career. It's going to shoot him up the rankings, and you know, I I think the kid might be something special. Um, you know, there's there's still a lot of questions, but I think I think this is a, a huge spot for him.
0: My fighter to watch is Felipe Bunas. Look, he's making his UFC debut. He's a champion in another organization. He's taking on a guy who's tough, but is one in five in the UFC. And it's even with the one in five record, you get that Zaga's win on your resume. And it's a respectable win because he fights tooth and nail with everybody. And uh, let's see if Felipe is ready for this opportunity. I will definitely have my eyes peeled to that matchup. So for that reason, Felipe Bunas is my fighter to watch. Well, Pepe, uh, we did it. Firstly, thank you very much for joining me on the special edition of Half the Battle. All the fans can follow you at Pepe underscore Sylvia seven one six. Any message for the fans before we get out of here?
1: No, I just appreciate you having on me. Thanks for the support. Um, I love talking fan or talking with people about fights and you know, this this community's been awesome and I'm a complete MMA addict. So If anyone wants to chat fights whenever just dm me and i'd be happy to love to hear it and
0: i think i personally think pepe is one of the more underrated guys so y'all definitely you know he's married to the game and uh you can tell when someone's passionate so it resonates man so you know all respect to you and y'all make sure you give him a follow for all the fans thank you all so much man truly appreciate it smash the like button when this is over leave me a comment um also subscribe to half the battle if you're not already subscribed this friday we got the technique of the week a little mike malott uh guillotine coming up i'm excited to break that down because it was a very interesting guillotine uh so we're going to get into that on friday saturday we've got the ufc fights. let's cash these bets if y'all are going to pfl on friday and you see me don't hesitate to say what's up so thanks again to everybody truly appreciate it best of luck this weekend and until the
1: next time let's cash these bets